Welcome to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Basics Podcast. We're just two childless millennials who love Disney, Harry Potter, traveling, and all things basic. My name is Sarah Beth Miller. And I'm Caitlin May. And together, we're just two childhood best friends who catch up weekly about theme park news and different topics that we face in our late 20s. Well, hello. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I am fantastic. I am so ready to record this episode. I'm so pumped about this. I feel like this episode is going to be our favorite. Oh, 100%. It's like the epitome of every reason why we wanted to start this podcast. Right? Well, let's go ahead and get started with all of our segments so we can get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into the booms and busts for the week. So, my boom for this week is that we have gotten through so much of, like, the the behind-the-scenes work for this podcast. I know when this posts and everyone's listening, everything will be done, but we have been working so hard, and it just makes me really excited. We have. We've been working really hard on this. So, what has been your boom for this week? Um, I don't really have anything for this week. It's been pretty much just like a same, you know, usual routine for us. Yeah, I haven't really had anything that's like, oh, cool, that's what happened this week. Same yeah, old, that's same old. fair. I mean, quarantine. <laughs> yeah, we haven't actually done anything this week to be like, oh, hey, this is cool. Let me share with everyone the fact that I've just been working on this podcast and my side hustle. Yeah, that's fair. Have you had any bus this week? Yeah, I mean, for school, I was supposed I had signed up for my classes and everything. I was ready to go. Then they decided that they were going to change the curriculum and they removed the class that I was supposed to take for the summer semester mm. starting on the 26th. And I called my advisor and we talked about it and she's like, oh yeah, well you can take a level four class instead because it's still book work and you don't have to worry about, you know, getting a clinical site. So I was like, okay, yeah, let me just like jump 200 levels to like 400 level Jeez. class. So, you know, just wish me luck. Yeah, your summer should be interesting. No, <laughs> it's going to be so interesting. And that that starts the day after we drop these episodes huh yeah and then my box my side hustle launches in june dang pray for me guys i'm gonna go slightly crazy we we're lighting a candle (laughs) oh yeah well my bust is not really that dramatic i was influenced by one of my favorite influencers she has this thing where she buys dupes at walmart for like really cute clothes like um you know like aritzia dupes or stuff like that but it's walmart and she found these shorts and they were so cute on her and she was like they're so comfortable they're like sweat shorts so of course i got them i mean they were cheap but they're not as soft as i wanted them to be and they're like a terry cloth kind of thing yeah kind of you would think that those would be really soft. Yes, and I washed them thinking that, okay, if I wash them once, like, maybe that'll kind of wear them away and, like, make them softer, but it doesn't. And I feel like no matter how tight I tie the drawstring, they still, like, ride up. So if I'm, like, sitting for a really long time, then when I get up, they're, like, around my, like, rib cage. Oh, yeah, that sucks. So. Katie, tell me, what have you been obsessing with this week? So, since my bust was all, since my bust, since my boom was all about productivity, my obsession definitely has to be Trello. Uh, I've been sleeping on Trello. Sarah Beth told me about it. She made a board for our podcast. And I have, like, made, like, five other separate boards for my life. And I am really vibing with it. I've been looking for programs that I really like because I want to start converting like my planner and to-do lists to more digital and not focus on buying physical anymore. Yeah. And I think Trello has been like the program I've been searching for and I just didn't know it. 
Yeah, Trello is amazing. I I found it through um, some influencer that used it, and I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. Um, right? What have you been obsessed with this week? You know, I haven't been obsessed with anything. I have been busting my butt with this podcast, with my subscription box, and then just trying to get everything sorted for when school starts because I know it's going to be crazy and the only new thing that I probably that received in my household was my textbook and I'm definitely not obsessed with that (laughs) no I get that you've been working really hard and you have a lot going on so I get it but we do have some really exciting Disney news this week yes we do um Shanghai Disney is actually going to have an official official reopening date of May 11th um, so it looks like they will require temperature checks and there's this like thing over there in Shanghai that you wear a QR code, which is kind of like a health code that they require. Um, so when you go to the parks, you're required to show this QR code so they'll scan it. I think it's a lot to do with like the contract tracing. So like they know where people mm. have been and if there's, they start showing symptoms, they can kind of, you know, track where they have been. Um, it also... The masks are going to be required, which we kind of knew that, um, for staff and guests um, when they enter the park. It also looks like their social distancing guidelines have been completely set in place. They're ready to go with markers on the ground. They're separating ride queues. So if you have been to Disney, you know, like when you go to get on a ride, they have like these little queues where it's like one, two, three, four, five. So they're like yeah. skipping every other one. So like if it'll be if they're using one, they'll use three, keep two open, you know, certain things so like that. So your car, your your ride car will be every other row. Yeah, basically. so you're riding every other row. Um I, I know that's not huge social di- social distancing, but it's definitely a start. They've also Yeah, it's something. Yeah, so they also put hand sanitization stations like upon the ride exit. Like I was watching a video and it looks like every couple of feet, there's like a little hand sanitizing pump, which is crazy. So, I mean, they've definitely stepped up the game in that. And I know there there are those things in the park, but I guess they're just putting more. Do you feel like this is going to be something that's going to move over to the stateside parks when they open? Yeah, I, I definitely think so, at least at first. I don't know how long these will be implemented and they will be, I don't know about it being like a staple to the park anytime you go but I think until all of this has settled down and we have a vaccine and things are starting to calm down a little bit that this will definitely start being the normal and as far as like the normalization of everything I think the hand sanitizing stations are going to be something that's going to be here to stay and we're going to see a lot more a lot more of them in the parks I think when the parks first open they are going to have the markers on the ground. They're going to have the social distancing yes. things. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are going to Temperature skip. checks, face yeah. masks. All of that's going to be normal for a while. But I agree with you. I think at some point they're going to phase everything out. Whereas I think in places like that, that might be the new norm. But I think as far as skipping, like, the ride queues for every other one, that's going to go away. They're going to start using every ride queue because, you know, they're going to want to put as many people on the ride as possible to limit wait times but I think at this point they're not worried about that let's dive in to our podcast topic because it's all about Disney today we are sharing some aspects of a dream Disney trip for both Sarah Beth and I and then we're also going to kind of transition into like our best tips for planning a Disney vacation and all the things that we have learned from all of our trips to disney yeah yes all of our trips yeah some of these tips that we're going to give more toward the later of the episode like these are things that i use every time i go to disney yeah like i don't stray away from anything so let's do the fun funner part first which is our dream disney trip Mm -hmm. first of all we have to start off with where we're staying so Sarah Beth, where would you stay 
for your dream Disney trip? So I would stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, specifically at the Jumbo House. Yeah, that is a beautiful property. The reason why I would stay there is you literally have animals outside your window. You can get a room that faces the safari, our savannah as they call it, and like you could wake up in the morning and just see like animals free roaming like outside of your window. Like who doesn't want that? Yeah, that is so cool. That's such a you property. Yeah, and they have a restaurant that you can go and eat and like have animals just like around you. Like that's in great. That's crazy. That's insane. How expensive is your dream Disney resort? I mean, stay. It's not Cinderella's Castle expensive, but it's pretty expensive. That's probably one of the reasons why I've never stayed there. It ranges at like from $500 a night to like a normal like room suite I mean they have cheaper rooms but like you don't get the view or anything like that and then like I think the most expensive room that I looked at was $1,300 a night which is crazy but also a lot of these rooms sleep up to like six to eight people so if you have a big group of people like you can definitely split it right but when you're going just like a couple or like a small family this room probably doesn't make sense for you what is your dream room my dream property by far is the contemporary of course because of the proximity if you don't know what the contemporary is you've probably seen it it's the big a-frame resort that the monorail goes through it's literally right across the street from magic kingdom So obviously I would choose a room with the Magic Kingdom view. You will also have monorail access at the Contemporary. So that's really convenient if you're needing to go to Magic Kingdom and you want to ride the monorail to it. Or if you're going to Epcot. The architecture is gorgeous if that's like something that you're really into. They have a beautiful, it's a small world, like ginormous mural in honor of Mary Blair. She was an OG, OG Walt Disney team member. She did a lot of design, graphic design, and she was like one of the only women on the original team. So it's incredibly expensive as well, though. You are paying for proximity and it starts at like $450, 500 a night. So hopefully one day I'll have money to afford it. I mean, I might stay there for like one night and then move to Pop Century later, but... (laughs) Right? I mean... At least I'm going to stay there one day. (laughs) I feel like most of the people who stay in these rooms, like they're resort hopping. Like their main priority is to use all the amenities in the resort. But like when I go to Disney, I'm only going for a certain amount of days. I don't want to stay in the hotel. Like I want to be in the park. Yeah. But... Same. So... Speaking of this, let's talk about our park days and all the things, all the details that are going into this trip. On your dream vacation, how long are you staying? On my dream vacation, I'm staying at least seven days. Yeah, same for me. I would say seven to ten, but like at least seven. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I would stay for seven days, but even on like a dream vacation but if it was like I was going completely all out I'd probably go for 14 which is a very long that time that is a long time but if we're but it's going our dream on vacation that, they can't if we're limit going us. on that far of a scale of our dream vacations I'm staying for two weeks but in normal realistic probably can't take off of work that much I'm probably going for seven days yeah that's fair I feel like seven is the perfect number Because then you have at least one day for each park that factors in a day to spend at Universal Studios if you're wanting to go to Universal, which we are because we're going to Harry Potter and that's all we're going to Universal for. (laughs) Yeah, or even any other theme parks that are in Florida. Yeah, that's fair. But then that also gives you some extra time to maybe you want to spend a whole day at Disney Springs and shop or maybe you weren't able to get in any of the queues for Galaxy's Edge and so you spend a whole day waiting in line at Galaxy's Edge or you go back and ride all of your favorite rides you know I just like the extra time buffer I like that freedom to be able to decide you know yeah no I agree I that's you know why seven days I feel like is the perfect amount of time because you can hit up all the parks you can go to another park if you want 
you know, you have time to, like, wait in these, like, lines and things like that, whereas, you know, Mm -hmm. on a normal vacation, like I said, I'm going for four or five days. I don't have time to wait four hours for a ride. So how would we get to the park? A dream vacation or not, I am not driving. I am either taking the Magical Express from the airport. Actually, I know I am. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not utilizing the public transportation that Disney provides for their properties, then I'm just going to Uber or Lyft. Yeah. I mean, since I'm staying on property, I'm definitely going to use the Magical Express to get to and from the airport. And then, so we normally, like, when we do stay on property, take try to take the bus as much as possible or mm-hmm. even, like, the monorail, just, like, a ferry, whatever is available. But, like, I've noticed in, like, some mornings it's, like, super busy, so I'll just do, like, you and take a Uber or Lyft, whatever. Like, whatever comes faster and whatever's going to get me to the park faster, I'll take. Like, if I'm saving money for a trip anyway, then I might as well just go the extra mile and save a little bit more to be able to have that luxury, you know? Yeah, and, like, Ubers and Lyfts are not that expensive. Like, I think most of the time, or at least the last time we were there, I want to say the Uber was like 20 bucks. So what park are we going to go to first? Oh, hands down Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I agree with that. Are we, are you going to take advantage of any extra magic hours while you're there? Oh, absolutely. Extra magic hours are seriously key. If you've never planned a Disney vacation, pay attention to extra magic hours. See, I feel like I pay attention very slightly, like... But if it doesn't match up to my schedule or what I want to do, like, I just throw the magic hours out the window. (laughs) I try to teeter the line of adapting my schedule to fit extra magic hours or to take advantage of, I should say. Yeah. So I'm going to try, because quite honestly, like, the, I like to start with Magic Kingdom and I like to end with Magic Kingdom, but the order that I do it in between doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. So if Animal Kingdom has extra magic hours first then I'll you know that's decided then like that's what I'll do yeah you know so since we talked about extra magic hours are you gonna rope drop which I guess I should explain what rope dropping is since not everybody's yes Disney okay to put it in the easiest terms rope dropping is basically the term that anyone who has been to Disney or annual pass holders refer to you getting to the parks right before they open so let's say magic kingdom opens at 9 a.m you're waiting in line to get into the park at 8 a.m yes i said an hour early because you literally will get in line they'll pretty much get you through the park and then at a certain point there's cast members who are holding an actual rope and when the park a literal rope yeah like a literal (laughs) rope and when the park actually opens, they will drop the rope, a.k.a. rope dropping, and then the rest of the park opens. So I've gone with people who are like, we rope drop all the time, no ifs, ands, or buts. And I've gone with people who are like, eh, whenever we get there, we get there. I feel like I fall somewhere in between. Like, if I'm not rope dropping, then I'm getting to the park as early as possible. Does that make sense? Like, as as close to opening as possible, if not rope dropping. Yeah, it does. I, that makes complete sense. I think almost every time I've been in the park, I've somewhat rope dropped. If I'm, like, flying in, like, say, the night before or something like that, like, I'm rope dropping the next day. But mm-hmm. in reality, most of the time, I do go... I'll leave in the morning, drop my bags off at the hotel, and then head to the park. So the park's pretty much open. Right. So we decided that we're going to Magic Kingdom first. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I want to know what your first Fast Passes are. My first Fast Passes would be probably Pirates of the Caribbean or Haunted Mansion. Unless I can get a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train Fast Pass, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm booting something else. Yeah, and then I guess it kind of just depends um for like my third fast pass that I have so yeah I try and get seven dwarfs mine train that's still so hard to get though so that's like in a perfect world but this is our Disney dream vacation so I got my seven dwarf mine yeah right on your dream vacation I have a seven dwarf mine train fast pass go me if I can't get the seven dwarf mine train it's probably looking like haunted mansion or voyage of the little mermaid maybe if I'm unlucky about seven dwarf mine train i might get lucky and get a peter pan 
Mm, yeah. Um, that's all right. That's that very was, hard to get to. Yes. So those are kind of what I gravitate towards. What would be your first ride, though, while we're, while you're waiting for your Fast Pass? So, like, what are you going to first? So, I am a person who, I am a creature of habit. So, even though it is my dream vacation, I am, I'm still starting in Adventureland with Jungle, Jungle Cruise. That's probably the first ride that I'm riding. I am very different. I do not start in Adventureland. Adventureland is probably consistently the last part that I go to. Really? Don't know why. I don't. I am always Fantasyland first. And that's because it's my favorite. But that's and also I've like in the back of the park. To Fantasyland. So I will start in Adventureland and end in Tomorrowland. Or like I will start well, in see, Tomorrowland and then make my way to Adventureland. So you just make the loop. So like going straight to the back is no. just weird to me. See, no, I get it. Analytically, I get it. I do because I think it's weird as well. But I have this thing where I walk down Main Street and I cry and then I get to the castle and I cry some more and then I'm like, I need to go see my favorite stuff. So I just bypass everything, scurry past the part of the park that's nestled in the corner where you meet Merida and boom, I'm in Fantasyland. Yeah. I always also, I always forget about that until like I see it and I'm like, oh, this is here. Because she's kind of just like tucked away. Well, I also forget um, that there's like a path there. And also, I feel like my reasoning is that because Peter Pan's flight is so, always so long, and if I can't get a fast pass to it, then I'd just rather, like, book it there first and, like, get it over with. One of the main reasons I am going to Magic Kingdom first is because of the snacks Calories do not count when you are at Disney World. I just want everyone to know that they are magical They're calories magical like that. that go away when you leave. So what is your first snack you're getting? I'm a creature of habit. I'm going to I'm going to start off with a good Mickey ears, which if you don't know what Mickey ears are, they're basically the ice cream bar that's shaped like Mickey Mouse's head. Okay, I'm going to start with that. That's going to be my appetizer, my starter. My entree is a Mickey ears bar and my dessert is a Mickey ears bar. <laughs> See, as someone who is also lactose intolerant, I am, those are not my thing in the parks. I will say this, as much as I love Mickey ears, I do try and balance it out with the Peter Pan floats because I'm not a big Dole Whip fan, but these are like lemon lime, I guess, Sherbert. And they're floats in Sprite, which is really yummy. See, I go for a little bit more of a savory treat first thing in the morning, which I know doesn't make sense. Obviously, I'm going to have my coffee. At, like, I hit up the Starbucks. Yes. That's, like, one of the first things I do when I get into Magic Kingdom. But then, I, since I'm starting in Adventureland, I will hit up the Cheeseburger Egg Rolls cart, which is a cart that is hidden right before you get into Adventureland. And they are amazing. I, yeah, I've never had these, so I really need to seek them out the next time I They are so go. good. I follow a YouTube channel called The Trackers, and they talked about them on their channel. And I was like, hmm, I've never seen that. And, like, I don't remember that when we went into the parks. So when I went, after watching the video, the next time I went, I actively seeked out this cart, and it wasn't there. And then, so I found out in their videos, they had got rid of the cart for a little bit. And then they brought the cart back and just was just like popped up. And it was like cheeseburger egg rolls. They have pizza egg rolls. And like that's all they sell plus like ice cream and then soft drinks. Like it's a small snack cart that sells them. And they're hmm. so good. Yeah, I need to find that because that sounds so good. Let's just keep talking about more food. Yes. <laughs> because I love Disney food. Yes. Where Where are you eating lunch? I'm eating lunch at Liberty Tree Tavern. Shout out to Tiffany Fair. for making us eat there one time because the Tiffany, we love food you so much. <laughs> is there the food there is so delicious. It's oh God, it's, it's so a heavy good. lunch. Don't get me wrong. So like, be prepared yeah. to like 
not eat all your food while you're in there but the food is so delicious i i love liberty tree tavern but it's definitely for me more of a dinner spot because it's so much food yeah and it's very heavy food it's like soul food type it's like cuisine. an it's like a very american type food yes like with yeah, like mashed roast, potatoes, ma- cornbread, yeah, pot roast, yeah, mashed potatoes and things like that. So if you're, if you can't stomach that for lunch, then yes, it's definitely more of a dinner place. But right, lunch is My easier to get a reservation. Like, that's why I choose it for lunch. Yes, that's also very true. My whole thing is I'm riding rides all day, so I don't want to stir all that up. I typically gravitate to either the Cheshire Cat, which is kind of like a, like a quick lunch grab and go type yeah like a little quick service um yes place near alice in wonderland's teacups or i will eat at cosmic rays which is in tomorrowland it's a very cool like space jazz diner bar type vibe um which is also quick service so i tend to do more quick service smaller meals slash snacks throughout the day and then i typically will do like a very late, heavy dinner when I'm done riding all this stuff. Yeah, see, we normally hit up Casey's Corner for dinner. Like, creature of habit, we will always hit up, like, Casey's for dinner just because it's, like, on the way out and we'll, like, grab it before Mm -hmm. fireworks, stuff our face, and then go see fireworks. Such good hot dogs. Yeah, so I try to hit up everything, like, I like to, depending on what land I'm in, I like to get like at a restaurant so like by lunchtime I'm in that Mm -hmm. area so like Liberty Tree makes sense yeah so a lot of the dining options have character meals are you doing any character meals yes I am doing character meals and I'm gonna say that I'm gonna do two because it's my dream vacation and I've never really done like a true one we've eaten at Be Our Guest which is technically character dining but we just had a bad experience not really we had a bad experience so the food was amazing I would literally eat at Be Our Guest every single chance I get at Disney it's just like the beast is in a different room and like all we got to do was wait in line to take a photo with him like it's not like the pictures that you see of character dining like they're at your table and they're walking around and they're being all cute and stuff So I would definitely do Cinderella's Royal Table because that was always something I wanted to do as a kid. I feel like we never did character dining because of just how pricey it is. It tends to be pretty expensive. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Cinderella's Table. For those of you who don't know, it is basically just like OG princesses is who you will be dining with while you're there. Another one that I would love to do, especially on a trip that Jonathan comes with me, is something new that they have called the Bon Voyage Adventure Breakfast and it's a fun breakfast cruise and you're with Ariel and Eric and Rapunzel and Flynn which are me and Jonathan's two favorite princesses so what character dining are you doing? So I've done character dinings before so I kind of have some favorites um, that I would definitely do again. Um, I think I would do maybe either Cinderella's Royal Table for breakfast or Crystal Palace um, so Crystal Palace, mm. you get to meet the Winnie the Pooh characters, um, and my one of my favorite characters is Eeyore, so I would love to take another picture with him. Um, I may do Be Our Guest for lunch again, just because like I'm a huge Beauty and the Beast, and those that's like my favorite Disney princess movie. I don't know if I would branch out and do new character dinings, just because these are my favorite. I mean, it would really depend on what I could get a reservation for in the time that we're you know, time that we're there. So what about fireworks? Girl, you know I'm staying for fireworks. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was really a dumb question because happily ever after. Is just... I watch I watch the fireworks show at my home and I cry like a little baby. I do too. It's on like constant rotation in our house. Like just the soundtrack in Me general. Too. Okay, let's talk about this. Because if you are a OG Disney fan and you don't agree with Happily Ever After being better than Wishes. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I I feel like Happily Ever After is a hundred times better because it is the only fireworks show that it doesn't matter what I'm doing, where I'm watching it, I will literally cry my eyes out. Same. It's, I feel like Wishes is definitely more OG Disney, but with yeah. Happily Ever After... Very, like, nostalgic Disney. Yeah, and Wishes is beautiful. I, I'm not hating on Wishes whatsoever, 
but happily ever after is starting to incorporate more of like the Disney characters that we kind of grew up with instead of like the old classic just Cinderella Pinocchio and like all of those old old you know Disney movies like Fantasia and things like that like I don't even Mm -hmm. remember watching Fantasia as a child because it was such an old movie whereas like happily ever after is all of like the Disney princesses and the new movies and almost more classic 90s Disney I was always that person that was like nothing will ever beat wishes and then I saw happily ever after and cried like I said like a little baby it's just, it's got such a good message. And so did Wishes, don't get me wrong. But, like, I feel like no matter how old you are, what place you're at in your life, the overall message of Happily Ever After will pertain to you. 100%. So, oh, it's such a good show. I'm watching the fireworks show the day that I am at Magic Kingdom. But I'm also watching the fireworks show a couple other nights too. Like I'm gonna scurry over to Magic Kingdom to watch the fireworks show again. I don't I don't know if I would necessarily like go back and watch the fireworks. Like I'm definitely doing it in the time that I'm at Magic Kingdom, but I don't know if I would necessarily like leave another park to go watch it because each park has their own nighttime specials. Yeah. So let's talk about parades. Are you watching any parades? Probably not. Let me, let, I'm gonna be honest. No, I'm same. I may watch Magic Happens because it is new, but that is the yeah, only reason. Fair. I like to take advantage of the short wait times with parades. They also got rid of the electrical parade, which was one of my favorite parades, and I'm a little bitter about it, so I refuse to watch the parades. Are we going to any parties? Absolutely. If, if there, if I'm at Disney World at a time where either Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party or the Not So Scary Halloween Party is happening, or even like any of like after hour events, I'm totally doing those because they are 110% worth it. I mean, I probably yeah, wouldn't prioritize the Christmas party because I've already been and it was amazing. I would probably try to do the Halloween party or some type of after hours event for sure. Yes, the Christmas party, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is so good. It's so magical. If you are going at Christmas time, literally make the effort to like save the money to go to the party because it's so worth it. Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party and Oogie Boogie Bash at Disneyland are literally my bucket list. I want to go during Halloween so bad. It's the only season that I haven't seen the parks dressed up as. It's so, so beautiful during Halloween. Um, ugh, I went last so year. so high on my list. Yeah, I went last year on Halloween day for the day, which I know. And like just seeing the park and like all of the fall decorations. So I would recommend any time of the year that you're going, paying for a dessert party to watch the fireworks. Yeah, I agree with that because so we did that for my bachelorette trip and it was so nice to be able to have like mm-hmm. a specific spot to watch the fireworks that wasn't super crowded and then we also got to eat like yummy desserts after like it was everything it was worth every amount of money that we paid for it oh yeah absolutely so i feel like if you don't have like an after hours event or like one of these like holiday parties then like the dessert parties for the fireworks is definitely worth it I mean, it does suck mm-hmm. that all of these are additional two-part tickets, so, like, it can be a little expensive. Like, I think the Christmas party is, like, $125, even the Halloween yeah, party. The parties are the parties are very pricey. Yeah, and I think, like, the dessert party is maybe $50, $60, so it's not terrible. Yeah, I think I remember, like, 70 bucks or something like that that we paid for it's it. It's very possible. We also went during a very busy time, so... Yes, we did. So I'm going to pause the episode really quick to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's literally the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will actually distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. 
So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back into the episode. Maybe there are some people out there that are planning their very first Disney trip. So I feel like we've learned a lot of lessons (laughs) and tips and tricks on what works best and what is very efficient. So yeah. And like we have both stayed on, you know, Disney property before and also have stayed off property, which is where I normally stay when I do go to Disney World. We're going to talk about the hotels that we've stayed at as well as I'm going to kind of talk about the pros and cons of staying off property when planning a trip. Mm -hmm. So the hotels that I have stayed at Disney has been the Pop Century, Coronado Springs, All Star Music, and then like I said, I usually stay off site in a hotel with um, points. Um, Tyler is very into the points, credit card points game. So usually we'll stay at a hotel using some of his like points. And if you're like loyal to a certain hotel train, hotel chain, they do have, obviously they have major hotels in Orlando that you could use your points, which kind of makes your trip a little bit cheaper. So for like Pop Century, that is probably one of my favorite value hotels on Disney. Um, It's like an Art Deco themed hotel. It's super cheap. Um, They now have the Disney Skyliner, which is there at that hotel. Mm -hmm. You have bus access, you know, so you have the transportation right there. They have a little nice food court area to where like if you want to, you know, if you're staying at the resort for the day, you know, you do have dining options as well. Um, Another big thing is it's been recently renovated. We went after the renovations, which it's beautiful in the room. It's so nice. Um, Yeah. And it's located. So it's really close to Hollywood Studios. So if like you're the, you're kind of the type to like want to walk somewhere, not that it's recommended whatsoever, but it's definitely in a walkable distance to Hollywood Studios. The only thing that I have a problem with this hotel is that the beds are double beds and like one's a Murphy bed. So like if you don't know what a Murphy bed is, it's the bed that like goes into the wall and converts to something usually like it was our dining table and we just had to like move the chairs and then like we put the bed down and just kept it down the whole trip. Yeah. So like the second hotel that I've stayed at is Coronado Springs, which is a Spanish, Mexican, Southwest American theme hotel. It's really honestly a business hotel. It's it has great Wi-Fi, great Wi-Fi. It really honestly is a really good hotel for like couples or like someone who needs to work while they're on vacation, which I don't know why you would need to work while you're on vacation. But like somebody like my husband, Tyler, like he works all the time. So like that's going to be a priority when booking a hotel is to make sure that it has like the business amenities and things like that, um, which is why we stayed there on our second trip there. And I did notice that when we were there, it's it's mostly adults. It's very quiet. It is not, there was not a lot of kids. They did have kids, but like it wasn't like staying at like Pop Century or like all-store music or sports or whatever. I mean, it's located near Animal Kingdom, so it's, like, you know, very into that, like, theme and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, it's a little bit farther from, like, Magic Kingdom and things like that. But, I mean, you have bus access to the parks, just like yep. with every other resort. And I think maybe it was, like, a 20, 30-minute Uber ride. So, it's not terrible. The only thing that's – it's a moderate resort, so it is going to be a little bit more on the pricier side. Not as expensive as, like, you know, the deluxe hotels and things like that. But it's definitely, like, a good option, like – Like I said, if you are someone who needs to work a little bit while you're on vacation or Mm -hmm. something like that, like that's a really good hotel for you. Um, Yeah. And then I think in that same trip, we eventually ended up transferring over to the all-star music, which Mm -hmm. pros, I mean, they're themed to the name. So like if you stay at all-star music, the whole resort is themed to music. If you stay at movies, it's themed to movies. And then if you're staying at sports, it's themed to sports. Yeah. So like Pop Century, the all-star All store resorts and art of animation are all the value resorts and they're basically themed hotels. So, I mean, the only con that I have about like the all star resorts and like those types of things is they really have not been renovated since in years. So probably the cons is they may be under construction. Like if you book a trip or you're going to be staying in an older, in an older hotel, 
But once again, if you're just there because you want to stay somewhere cheap and you're going to spend most of the time in the parks, then those are great resorts for you. And they're also loud. They're very loud mm-hmm. resorts, I find, because there are a lot of kids. and There a lot are. Of they're these, family. Yeah. Yeah, they're family resorts. So if you need peace and quiet to sleep, these are not the resorts for you. You have stayed at one resort similar to me, but you've also stayed at a couple other resorts that are different from Pop Century. Yes, I've stayed at a couple different tiers, and I would say that the other resorts that I have stayed at are really conducive to big families. So very family friendly, especially if you have a big family, lots of kids, or if you're going with like, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins like we did growing up. I stay. I have stayed at Saratoga Springs. Uh, a couple times and that is gorgeous I would say it's like it's kind of like in a in the deluxe category like not entirely I think it is in a deluxe category right like not entirely crazy like the contemporary or anything like that but it's pretty high up there it's known for its spas and the golf course it's right on Lake Buena Vista so you have a lot of really nice amenities so that's really nice if you are wanting to take advantage of that Um, another thing is that it is villa style condos so multiple rooms kitchen a setting like that it's very like 1800s victorian equestrian so kind of bougie um another villa style resort that i've stayed at that would be kind of like a level underneath saratoga springs is Port Orleans. Obviously from the name, it is a New Orleans themed resort. It's very beautiful. It's on the lake as well. Very like Spanish balcony plantation facades. Uh, It's got a really fun pirate adventure cruise that leaves from it. So great for kids. It's got a really nice dining hall. It's dog friendly. So that's a really big plus. So it's a little, it's definitely on the more expensive side, but it's not as expensive as Saratoga. It's a very good family place as well. And then the last place that I stayed was Fort Wilderness. Fort Wilderness is campsites. So you can tent camp, you can RV camp. They have cabins that you can rent. It's very beautiful. It's on the lake. It's in the trees. It's fun if you're camping people. My dad likes to camp. And so we stayed here kind of as a compromise for him going to Disney with us, that he got to camp and we got to go to Disney. You can get groceries delivered, which is super nice. So you can schedule like a grocery delivery time and they'll bring it to your campsite. It This one is dog friendly as well. So that's really great amenity. Uh, Hoopty Doo Review is here at Fort Wilderness. That is like my favorite show ever. I go to it I try to go to it every time I go to Disney. I did not enjoy staying here because I missed, how can I say this? It's not that you're not surrounded by Disney because you're on a property. So you are surrounded by Disney and it's very nice, but I just did not like the fact that I was staying like in my own space. You know, it's Yeah, a, you're missing out on like the full like Disney magic almost right because I mean like you are like you said you're in your own personal space so you're not like it just feels like you're on like another camping trip so it's a great option like I said if you are a camping family or if you're like me and you have a family member who that's the only way to compromise (laughs) Um, yeah I feel like if my dad would have been able to go to Disney World like that would have been his spot like we would yes. have had, we would have stayed at Fort Wilderness because he loved yeah. camping, and I feel like he'd have been like, "Oh, you want me to go? Okay, well, I'm gonna stay at this campground. I'm not staying in this hotel with all these people. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay in my own camper and just Byron, chill." And Byron and go Gary want. would have had their camp spots right next to each other, and they'd be sitting on their lawn chairs gossiping while all of us were gonna be at Disney. <laughs> yeah, they'd have been like them fools. They and them thing parks. We just out here chilling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the yeah, other thing so, is weird that like it's dog friendly. Like I think that's so weird that people want to bring their dogs on vacation to a theme park. Yes. Like to go to a yeah. theme park. Well, random fact, there is a doggy daycare in the Disney universe. 
there's like, you can actually bring your you dog. know it's expensive i mean yeah but like there's also childcare at disney as well which is weird it's like 200 bucks an hour and you can like have someone come and stay with your children but like yes there there's a vet clinic and there is a doggy daycare unless you're going for like a week at a time like you couldn't find a dog sitter or like your normal dog daycare anything like that is booked up and you live relatively close like you can drive to disney world like say you live like closer to miami or in the panhandle mm-hmm. or anything and you drive okay that 110 percent makes sense in the fact that like yes you would bring your dog with you because you couldn't make other arrangements but for right. me if i'm going for four days my dog is yeah. not coming with me yeah i'm finding a friend to watch my dog <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not gone long enough to make a difference now if i was going for two weeks and couldn't find anything then i would probably stay at like one of those i'd probably stay at port orleans because i wouldn't stay at the campground but we talked about transportation earlier Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit and we mentioned the magic express so let's talk Mm -hmm. about the magic express and how much you love it i love the magical express um i don't like driving in my personal life so I'm definitely not going to do it on my vacation. I mean, I don't um, drive anymore. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till that day. Um, so the Magical Express basically is just a bus system that is a shuttle to and from the airport. It's not the quickest way of transportation. Like you gotta gotta buffer in like a good three hour window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly. <gasps> So when you're making your reservations for the resorts, you put in like your flight number, your flight information, when you're like when you're going to land into Orlando International Airport and you go and you scan your magic band and you check in with the Magical Express. There's no like set schedule or at least that anyone can figure out the algorithm on how it works. There is there is none. You literally if me and five other families are checking into five different resorts. They will literally take all five of us together and put us on a bus and then go drop us off. That is just how it works. So I know one time when I used the Magical Express, it took maybe 30 minutes to an hour to get to the resort. Not terrible. This last time, it took two and a half hours for us to get to our resort. It's great, but then like you really are on a time constraint. So when the bus picks you up from the resorts to bring you back to the airport when you're leaving it is a minimum that you are ready to board the bus three hours before your departure yeah i would definitely not recommend having like flights like like extremely early flights like that i would say the way that i i utilize the magical express i'm gonna fly i'm gonna have a later flight in just go straight to the resort and like settle down for the night and go to sleep be ready to hit the park the next morning bright and early and then when I leave what's nice a nicer option is like a early afternoon flight like maybe just grab some breakfast at the resort somewhere or go to springs and that way you're not waking up crazy early or not going to sleep at all In our dream vacation scenario, we were talking about all the yummy snacks, which I got Mm -hmm. McKeer ice creams literally in my fridge right now, and it's all I can think about. Um, Let's talk about the best way to plan and make reservations when you're, like, in the planning process of your Disney trip, which the first thing we got to talk about is the Disney dining plan, (laughs) because... When you're in the middle of planning your trip, you're going to see that plastered everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely when you go onto the Disney website, it is going to be an option that is going to slap you in the face. So the Disney dining plan is basically a dining plan, obviously. Um, (laughs) Thank you for that. Which which has different (laughs) tiers of different things that you can pre-purchase before you go on your Disney vacation. So basically all your meals, your snacks, and everything is pretty much prepaid before you get there. Um, There's, like I said, there's different options. So you can do just like a quick service plan to like a full plan, which is like three meals a day, which are table service. So these are like sit down meals 
not character dining. Those are still extra. Um, they are sit-down service meals that have a mixture of like quick service as well with snacks and all these other things. The only problem I have with the Disney dining plan, it's great if you just want to go on vacation and not worry about anything. The problem mm-hmm. I have with it is you are restricted on credits. So a mm-hmm. meal credit can only be used on a meal and a snack credit can only be used on a snack or like a drink or something similar. And if you're you're kind of like me, you you I don't necessarily eat three meals a day with two snacks and all of this. So by the end of your vacation, you still have a lot of credits that are remaining, but you don't get refunded for them. Like, once you pay for them, you pay for them. If you have two snacks per day per person in your party, so say I go with a party of six, we have two snack credits each every day that we're there. So if I'm going for seven days, I'm not good at math, but I know that's probably over 30 to 40 snack credits. Yeah. If not more. I feel like it's going to be a lot more than that number. When I, when we did the Disney, I've only done the Disney dining plan once. And I will never do it again. I did not like it. My family didn't like it. And we had a party of like 12. We had food coming out of everywhere. Um, Yeah. And I feel like some people take these snacks home. But I don't necessarily pack a suitcase to where I can throw a bunch of Mickey Rice Krispies in my suitcase and call it a day. Same. And I had paid. I had prepaid for it. So I felt like I had to eat it. I didn't want to waste my money. And there's no way for me to get it back. So I felt like I was just forcing myself to eat. Which when you're riding rides, that's not fun. Because I already get motion sick. So I feel like I'm stuffed. I'm uncomfortable. It's hot. I'm walking around everywhere. Like it wasn't worth it to me yeah and i mean if you if you're a family that has like small children and stuff like it may make more sense to do like a disney dining plan but just know that you may be limited on like some of the menus in some of the restaurants but as far as like the snacks go you can just randomly buy a bunch of snacks and just hold Mm -hmm. on to them you know put them in your strollers and things like that and when the kids get hungry to wait in line you have snacks so let's just go into just generic like planning tips. You know, you you have a lot you subscribe to a lot of newsletters that I feel you utilize a lot when planning. Um so let's just yeah. go into what your generic tips are. Yeah, so I try to follow as many Disney news sources as possible just because I am I need to be up to date on Disney news. And like I said, I was an annual pass holder until like last November. So I was constantly checking in to see when would be a good time to go to Disney because I wanted to utilize my pass as best as I could um, because, I, you know, I paid money for it. So I'm going to use it till it expires and that, you know, I would always watch for cheap flights and then. I would check to see what's going on. Like, if it's going to be a busy weekend, I know it's not going to be, you know, flights are expensive. So, I basically would subscribe to their newsletters and and then it comes into my email, which I check almost every day. So, those kind of help with, like, planning and just knowing of the different events that are going on throughout the year. Um, Another thing is which I pretty much have, this this is what I do every time. Like, doesn't matter what time of year I'm going, who I'm going with, everything. These are my tried and true tips. Um, the first thing you want to do is download the My Exper- My Disney Experience app. This is going to be pretty much your Bible the whole time you are in Walt Disney World. The Disneyland app, which we can, I mean, I've been, the app is not nearly as needed as much as the My Disney Experience when it comes to Walt Disney World. Your Fast Passes are in this app. Your dining reservations are in this app. Your tickets are in this app. Like, your photos, like everything is in this app. Yeah. Um, my next thing I do is, especially if it's the first time you're going, is to look on the app and mark down rides that are must-use. Like if you have to ride this ride while you are there, write it down somewhere, like either in the notes app in your phone or on a piece of paper in your planner, wherever, wherever you like to organize for your trips, like write it down. So my next thing that I do and I highly recommend that if you do want to dine at any of the restaurants in Walt Disney World is to book dining reservations. 
Some restaurants are super hard to get into. Um, Disney starts taking dining reservations 180 days before your vacation. So when you pick your date of your vacation that you're going, mark in your calendar what the 180, 180th day is, and you can book your reservations for your entire trip on that day. Since there are some new restaurants and some restaurants that are really hard to get a reservation at, like when we went last time, we wanted to go into Ogos Cantina, which is the new Star Wars, in the new Star Wars land. It's very hard to get a reservation for this. So I ended up down, downloading Mouse Dining, well, I went to mousedining.com. And basically what Mouse Dining is, is a website that alerts you when new Disney dining reservations become available. So I said Oga's Cantina, the party of three, and then a bunch of different times that would just kind of work throughout the day for us. So basically I got an email saying that, oh, hey, this, this time slot opened up. You can schedule it on like my Disney experience. So I highly recommend utilizing mousedining.com. It has been a lifesaver for so many times or even like if I need to remind myself to book a dining I'll use that to like alert myself hey this reservation is open you should probably book it so the next thing you want to do is to book your fast passes if you're staying on Disney property you can book your fast passes up to 60 days in advance and I'll give you a little piece of advice that no one's ever said in any of the blogs that I found or anything it starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, sharp. Set your alarms, start booking your fast passes at 7 a.m., 60 days or 30 days in advance. Mm -hmm. You're allowed up to three fast passes per park per day on your trip. So you basically can schedule three fast passes for whatever parks you're going to during the week. Book all three of them. If you cannot get the fast passes that you want for certain rides, just book something else. I'm going to tell you about a little trick that I've learned as being an annual pass holder. Check once you book all of your fast passes for those days, continuously check the app until you get into that park and constantly refresh, try to modify and see what new fast passes have come available or like whatever. So there are certain people who will book a fast pass for something and something will happen and they'll cancel their trip. So like, let's say the seven doors mine train fast pass may open because someone canceled their trip but it opened up for a time that I'm going to be in that park so I can quickly snag that fast pass so if you ever read on any of like the Disney pass holder pages or anything like that they say pound the app and that's literally what it means it means to log into the app every day and like modify your fast passes so when you're modifying you want to try to modify for different times or like different types of passes so everything is made in like different tiers. So some rides fall into one tier and other rides fall into another tier. So another tip I have for you as far as it goes with fast passes is once you have used all of your fast passes when you have entered in the park. So like say I've gone to Magic Kingdom and I have utilized all my three fast passes. I'm as soon as I use that third fast pass, while I'm waiting in line for the ride that I have a fast pass for, I'm going to be checking for more fast passes that I can use. So after you use your first three fast passes, you can get one fast pass at a time for the rest of the day for the unlimited, like until Disney shuts the system off at a certain time of the day, you can continuously get fast passes throughout the day. It's only one. It's not the three like you had before, but like these can help for like other rides that are kind of busy, like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. I've literally been in, I was in line for Space Mountain. That was my third fast pass of the day. I was sitting there. I was refreshing because I was still waiting in line. And then I snagged a fast pass. So I like it just it happened to work out that way. So you constantly want to refresh the app and just check for different fast passes. So I may pull and it's a small world fast pass, but I don't necessarily need a fast pass for that. And I'll just constantly try to modify it throughout the day. Now, one of the tips is you want to make these fast passes early in the morning. You don't want to try mm -hmm. to schedule a fast pass for 8 p.m. because you cannot, like, if you have certain fast passes. So, like, say I go to Hollywood Studios and one of my fast passes is for Fantasmic, I cannot utilize any other fast passes during the day. Yeah, and like I said, like, if you can't get that coveted fast pass of or whatever ride that you want, or like for the new Rise of the Resistance ride, you can't get a boarding group. That's a little bit different because you can't just go wait in line at the end of the day. But if there's something you really want to ride, wait until like the end of the day 
to like wait in line for these rides. So that way you're not wasting your entire day waiting in a line. Like Flight of Passage in Animal Kingdom is a four hour wait consistently. I'm not Mm -hmm. going first thing in the morning and waiting for four hours when everything else in the park is available. I'm going to ride everything else in the park and then I'll come back and wait to ride this ride. You need to plan a trip that is realistic and that your family and you will actually enjoy. I have been on trips with people who are literally so scheduled out that it's not fun anymore and I've been on trips with people who didn't schedule a single thing and so when we got there we weren't efficient and that wasn't fun either so you need to teeter that like middle ground definitely know your top priorities in every park another thing that you need to realize too is that you can't do it all so another thing I want to talk about before we start coming to the end of this episode is that we have both been to international Disney parks We've both been to Paris and I've been to Hong Kong Disneyland. I kind of want to talk about how the differences are, even some of the similarities are to planning as far as planning goes to like Walt Disney World and things like that. So like Mm -hmm. how did you plan for your Disneyland Paris trip? So I would say the biggest difference between planning for Disney World compared to any other Disney park uh, California included is that you do not need to be as extensively planned out for any of the other parks like you do for Disney World. So for Paris, I literally decided to go to Disneyland Paris and just booked our tickets online probably about six months in advance. And that's all I did. I didn't I downloaded the app on the way to Paris, like when we were on the train to the park. I downloaded the app just to kind of see the layout of the park and what maybe some highlights that would be a non-negotiable for us to do. But that's really it. I I will say we did go, we went early spring and we went on a Wednesday. So it was middle of the week, not really a huge bustling time for the city. Yeah, it was really quaint. There were barely any people there. The wait time, I think we, at most, we waited for a ride probably 30 to 45 minutes was the longest wait time that we had in the park. Um, And we basically did everything. So there's definitely not as much prep for these other parks as as there is for Walt Disney World. Like, because when we went to Disneyland, California, I really didn't do a lot of prep either. I just decided to go to the park and like went yeah Um, we didn't plan either for Disneyland right and like I'll talk a little bit about Hong Kong which we did not purchase the fast passes because of the experience we had in Paris so yeah I didn't I did no planning I downloaded the app kind of looked at it a little bit while we were at our hotel room and then I bought a paper map just because I was saving on data and a lot of times when they were playing like looking up some some like type of detail when it came to the park they were like oh you need multiple days this is not a multiple day park. Not no. at all. It is a one day thing and that's about it. Um, same thing with like Hong Kong, which we won't get into the full story of how crazy our honeymoon was. That and will be a different episode. <laughs> yeah, because it'll be an episode like it may be a solo episode for me because it's going to be so crazy. For Hong Kong, I pretty much did the same thing I did for Disneyland Paris. I downloaded the app. I used a paper map when we got to the park. So the only thing that so Disneyland Hong Kong is a little weird. So they do have paper fast passes like they do in Disneyland California, but it's only for two rides. So like Winnie the Pooh and the Hyperspace Mountain, which is very similar to Space Mountain in California. That's it. That's the only two paper fast passes. You have to pay for like these priority specials or something um that has like a bunch of different other rides, but we didn't I think honestly the longest we waited for a ride was 20 minutes. So, like, it made no sense to pay – I don't even think it was that expensive. I think probably the most expensive was, like, 50 extra dollars. So, like, it wasn't worth it, like, to not wait 20, 30 minutes because that's nothing in reality. Like, in Walt Disney World, you wait hours for rides. 20 minutes is nothing. I mean, there wasn't really much planning that went into 
Hong Kong whatsoever. It's a very chill local type park. It's not anything... It's very hard to describe this park. It is also not my favorite Disney park so far. It was very underwhelming. It was like, ugh, this is it? Okay. But I do feel like there was a lot of locals to Hong Kong that would kind of just like go there on vacation. You could tell they were probably annual pass holders and things like that. Since we gave all of our tips on how we plan a Disney vacation, there was some big news that came out last year. Very big news. Which D23 is a huge Disney expo that is in Anaheim, California. For anyone who doesn't know, it is my dream to go to this one time. Oh, such a goal to go. Disney is actually going to be launching a thing called Genie, like the Genie, um, or Disney Genie as it's officially titled. Um, Disney Genie will make planning easier and more fun by providing customized itineraries geared to your interests right at your fingertips. So, from what my understanding is, it's going to integrate with the My Disney Experience app. And basically, depending on what your interests are, it'll plan a vacation for you. Like generate. Like, like generate Oh, you would like passes. to eat here or yeah, you should ride this. Or... Yeah, so it'll generate fast passes. It will generate dining reservations and anything like that. But another thing that's really cool is that it'll give you real-time tips and updates which includes recommendations for experiences you'll think it'll love it thinks you'll love and then like finding like it so since it's using your location in the like my disney experience app it'll help you navigate the theme theme parks with added convenience and comfort so you don't have to worry about making reservations in like multiple steps which i was reading that from the disney parks blog because that's the best way to explain it um, I'm just I'm going to love it even not being techie myself because yeah I feel like since I'm constantly trying to check for fast passes because I do want to ride all the rides when I'm there I'm not experiencing everything like it was before my Disney yeah it'll be nice out. to have somebody to do it for you basically yeah it's like basically you have another person in your party who doesn't care about the Disney atmosphere and is just planning fast passes and things for you. I think it'll be amazing. I honestly right. think I'm I want to be first in line to beta test it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I would beta test it. Yeah, so that would be amazing. Yeah, so there is well, no technical launch date for this just yet. It just says it's launching in 2020, which yeah, and honestly, will, with Corona, <laughs> yeah, it probably won't be until next year at 2021. But yeah. As soon as I, yeah. if any information comes up, we'll definitely keep you updated on that. Well, I loved talking all things Dream Disney and Disney planning with you today, Sarah Beth. It was so fun. Well, that was it for today. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We drop new episodes every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.